What's up, Yankee fans? We are back with another episode of Yankee Crazy Podcast. And on today's show, have we got a treat for you. We got to interview Yankee beat writer and author Brian Hoke. And it was a lot of fun. We talk about a bunch of different things. What's going on in baseball right now? What it's like to be a journalist in Major League Baseball and for the Yankees. But man, some of the stories he tells, I just was so amazed, so much fun. And we even do a special, the Mario 5. And man, listen to him. He, he, I won't give anything away. You're going to have to listen to it, but it was awesome. Really loved it. Hope you guys enjoy it. Brian, thanks so much for joining us on the show and just to give a little bit of a background and you can obviously add to this, but Brian Hoke rhymes with Coke. Remember that, not, not the other way that it might look on print, but Brian is journalist. He's a beat reporter for the Yankees, also an author, two of his books, Mission 27 and Baby Bombers. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Greg, for having me. Yeah, we are excited by this. So first things first, obviously, we, are, we don't have a 2020 season going on right now. And, you know, I even saw last night, I guess, I think it was Buster Olney, uh, also reported with, with all this going on that there could be a possibility of a 2020 season and also seven inning games is being thrown out there. So let's, let's back up and get to it first. What's your take on a 2020 season? Is it going to happen? What could it look like? I do believe we are going to have a season now when it will start and what it would look like, I think uh, is very much up for discussion right now. I don't think anybody has any concrete answers. Um, the thing to remember with all this is, you know, as much as we want games to be played and we want these players to get back on the field, I mean, public safety comes first. And so um, right. this really lies at the federal, state, local government levels rather than Major League Baseball having jurisdiction of it. I mean, of course, Major League Baseball wants the games to get back underway and we can have some semblance of a schedule here and whether it's going to be 100 games, something less than that. I mean, I don't know. You know. I've heard some wild ideas being floated out there. I mean, last night you heard the idea about uh, quarantining all 30 teams out in Arizona and yeah. playing three games a day at Chase Field. And, um, I mean, look, we, we want baseball to come back. Of course we do. Um, but I think that there's a cost associated with that too. I mean, how many players are going to be willing to quarantine themselves for up to four months and not see their families? And, um, right, you know, is that right. really the best path forward? I don't, I don't know. Um, but I think what I do know is that everything's on the table because we're looking for a solution here. I think that the worst case scenario is no 2020 season. I don't think we're there yet, uh, which is good. Um, but, you know, whether this is going to go into the summer you know, when this initially started, the, the idea was that you could get spring training going again in April or May and get the guys back on the field in yeah. June. I, I guess that's still in play to some extent, but uh, I think that the fact that you're hearing the thing about the Arizona idea tells you that we're, we're all searching for answers right now, and um, I, don't, I don't know what the solution is going to be. 
Yeah, it is obviously crazy times and, you know, so many people missing sports. Um, it's, it's one of those things I feel that uh, keeps a lot of people sane. You read some of the people on Twitter saying, you know, every day they need sports, they need baseball. There was even marble racing people were watching. They were so <laughs> desperate to get anything. Yeah. So I, I had a crazy idea I floated the other day. Um, I, I was thinking to get any sort of baseball and to make, you know, if it was like, let's say for some reason they could get two months in and not to extend it too much past, uh, you know, November, let's say, you know, because uh-huh. I know there were ideas that said um, going into, you know, I think it was it Scott Boris who said, he could see games being played on Christmas day, something crazy <laughs> like that. Um, and then obviously that shortens the time uh, unless they were to extend the 2021 season and give players a little bit more rest. But I all of a sudden came up with this crazy idea that make, if you have the shortened season, don't do anything crazy. Like the, you know, they were, I know they were also floating around like double headers, like tons of double headers and, that would be crazy, I think, just because you'd have to expand the rosters because these guys would be so tired. But if you had a condensed season, now just bear with me. I know it's a crazy idea. but Okay. <laughs> if you had this condensed season of, let's say, just two months, and then, you know, you make every team, every team makes the playoffs, and you do this tournament of seven games. And I know that would take a long time, but I thought – that would be pretty cool because everybody's team would make it, you know, wouldn't call it a world series this year, call it the, I don't know, the MLB championship uh, championship bracket. And it would give every team the same opportunity, even playing field that everyone would make the playoffs. Cause you know, the second half of the season, some teams get hot and go all the way uh, you know, on a tear. And then this way, you know, seven games always seems to be, an equalizer, unlike the five game series and make it this big championship bracket. And I don't know, have some fun with it, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Rob Manfred heard... hasn't called me yet on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe he should. Um, I've heard some <laughs> wild ideas. I really have, you know, stuff about round robin tournaments and look, I think no matter what happens, 2020 is going to be an outlier in baseball history. So yeah. I think let's embrace that. Let's, uh, let's use this year. You know, assuming we do get the green light to get guys back on the field, it's going to look a lot different historically than any other season. So I think let's just go for it. And, you know, I I saw Justin Turner of the Dodgers suggested that um, if you have, I think it was play 10 innings and then as a tiebreaker, have a home run derby at the end of it. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, why not? I mean, sure. I I mean, as far as I'm concerned, everything should be on the table right now. And, um, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned seven inning double headers like they do in the minor leagues. And. I'm good with that. And, um, you know, I actually saw – I was in Trenton last year uh, with the Trenton Thunder, and I saw the idea where um, if you go to an extra inning, you start one out runner at second base every inning. And then oh, so right. I'm good with that too. And that, that preserves pitching as well. So um, I'm fine with expanded rosters. I'm fine with – honestly, I'm fine with whatever gets these guys back playing again. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's important to get as many games in as you can. So, um, especially because you're going to be working with a condensed time frame. Even if they do play into November, you're getting such a late start. So, um, look, I'm I'm still here in Tampa. I never left. Um, you know, I, my thought was that 
when baseball comes back, it will come back here and not New York City. So um, we, we stuck mm-hmm. around down here. I'm here with my family. So I yeah. fingers crossed that we can get guys back to spring training and get going here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be crazy. And um, yeah, we will obviously see what happens with all of this. Fingers crossed that we get any sort of baseball going this year. So let's switch gears a little bit. I love origin stories, whether it's comic book origin stories, movies. I would love to hear your origin story, how you got into sports, how you got into journalism. Can you give us a little insight on the young Brian Hoke? <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I got to roll the clock here, here like 20 years. But um, so you got to remember the time that I started writing about baseball. I was a high school freshman. I was 14 years old in uh, wow. upstate New York, Rockland County. And um, it, this is the wild, wild west of the internet. It's dial-up internet. It's AOL. It's Prodigy. Yeah. It's all that. The, the web is just kind of starting uh, in 1996. And for some reason, I, well, first let me start with this. I started out a Yankee fan. Uh, the strike happened in 94. It broke my heart. And then my dad was a Mets fan. My grandfather was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan. So national league blood ran in my house. And uh, so they kind of suckered me back in and they said, let's talk (laughs) about these generation K pitchers and Jason Isringhouse and Bill Pulsifer. The the Mets are going to be really good. This is the team you want to watch. And so I started (laughs) kind of following them a little bit. Um, Todd Hundley was my guy and uh, yeah, I started this man. Mets website, um, you know, there was, there was, there was a Yankees.com. There was no Mets.com. And so I, for some reason decided 14 year old me and my parents house in my bedroom that I was going to try and make a webpage. And basically I think today you'd call it a blog, but that didn't mm-hmm. exist at the time. And, um, this was a fresh new idea that nobody had really tried before. And so it kind of caught a following and, um, you know, I, the more this went on, I uh, continued to write and learn about baseball and, you know, fortunate for me, I was a high school, I was in high school, 1996, 1998, 1999, 2000, good choice. Yeah, you've missed all the Yankee <laughs> glory years and I, I certainly heard that from my friends uh, yeah. every single day. <laughs> But um, it, it caught a following and um, led to me getting an internship with the Mets in 2000. So I basically wow. went from uh, high, graduating high school to one week later, I was in Bobby Valentine's office and just thinking, how did, how did this happen? Holy and I was at Shea Stadium and uh, it was cool. It was, it was cool to get to see behind the scenes and get to know um, some of the front office people, some of the writers and be around them in the press box. And, you know, once that door opened, I just never wanted to let it close. And so, um, you know, the, the blog, the blog website continued for another two years and led to some other, uh, freelance opportunities, a bunch of newspapers and some internet sites, foxsports.com. Um, then later Mets inside pitch. And, um, you know, now I'm fast forwarding to 2006 where I was freelancing for MLB.com and, um, heard that the Yankees beat was coming open. Mark Feinstein, who I'd later write a book with, was leaving MLB.com for the Daily News. He was going to go to print. And so I made sure to let 
anybody who had any kind of sway know that mm-hmm. look, I know you think of me as a Mets guy, but I would love to cover the Yankees like that would be a dream job. And, um, you know, it, it worked out. And so I accepted the job offer right before Christmas and, uh, 2006 I honestly I took the job without even asking what it paid um so I mean there was was no question no question in my head that I was taking that job and so um yeah it's been been really awesome gotten to see some really cool stuff the uh the closing of the old stadium the opening of the new one I got to cover Joe Torrey's final year the entire Joe Girardi era now the first two years of Aaron Boone hopefully we'll get a third year here um so yeah it's been a been a wild ride but it yeah it all started in my uh my parents house in Slotesburg, new york and on a computer with dial-up internet wow wow now that first website was that mets.com that it was started? called mets on mets online.net and oh, so okay yeah okay. so it was a it was very much a fan site we had you know a message board which was really kind of the the pulse of that thing because you know me writing and putting game recaps up and putting you know player photos and stuff that was cool but um yeah. really the message board is where it took off and so then it, it really had a community mm-hmm. and I was part of that community but I wouldn't I it was it became bigger than me which was cool and so um you know that message board is still out there in some form or fashion right now uh, people are still using it which is crazy oh, wow. to me. I, I get I gave the keys over when uh, I shut down the site and that was 2002 and mm-hmm. um yeah it's still going which is crazy wow wow that's incredible when you first when you first said that there was yankees.com and no mets.com I thought um maybe you had been one of those people who went on online early and got like Mets.com and then sold it to them for, I was no, like, wow, that's, no, that would have no, been No, I wish. Yeah, I wish I was that smart in uh, 1996. But they had, they started Mets.com in 1999. And then in 2000, uh, the Mets reached out to me. There was a guy at, in the Mets front office named Tom Keenan. And he sent me an email and said, hey, you know, we, we've been reading your stuff. And if you'd like to come and see how we run Mets.com and um, you know, come on in. And so I remember it was a day game against the Reds. I wore a suit and tie uh, with my dad and I went in for this quote unquote job interview. It was an unpaid internship. And um, they, they said, yeah, we'd like to bring you on and we'll give you a, a credential and you can come hang out at Shea Stadium for the entire season and, and help us out with some stuff. And honestly, I'm, I'm not sure how much help 18 year old me was, but it was <laughs> awesome to see how a major league team worked behind the scenes. And once you get a taste of that, you never want to let it go. Yeah, I imagine. Wow. Wow. That is incredible. Really, really cool story. Love it. Um, Thank you. you know, it probably has, you could probably talk for days about, I would imagine with fun stories is writing mission 27 is there any particular story in that that's just maybe not in the book, but that you could share that was, I don't know, crazy, interesting, fun? <laughs> well, the, the first thing that comes to my head is the Alex Rodriguez chapter. And, and Alex is such a big part of that book. But, um, you know, Mark and I were on the Mets beat. Um, on the Mets beat, I'm sorry. The Yankees beat. <laughs> sorry, you got me You got me growing back to 20 years ago. Uh, we were on the Yankees beat for 2009 together. He was at the Daily News and I was at MLB.com. And um, so we got to know most of these guys pretty well. Um, that's what I think made researching the book um, so so fun is that it was kind of like going back to your college reunion and, and kind of cracking open some old stories with guys. Um, what jumps out in my, there's two things with Alex. And, and one is that uh, the wild 
birthday party that they had in 2009 where everybody was dressed in tuxedos and, you know, fancy gowns. And um, Alex and Kate Hudson had a birthday party at this swanky mansion in Westchester that he was renting. And, um, you know, it starts out as this very posh affair where, um, you know, they're having Nobu cater the event and, you know, very, it's everything you would think a bunch of millionaires are doing. And, um, AJ Burnett and CC Sabathia look at each other at one point during this pool party and say, you know, we're ending up in that pool, right? He has an Olympic sized swimming pool. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's happening. And, um, you know, Alex was on board with it. It was cool. And by the end of the night, they're all, they all took their cell phones out and jumped in the pool and their, and their <laughs> you know, in their tuxedos and their, their fancy gear, except for one guy, even Joe Girardi jumped in the pool. One guy <laughs> wouldn't go in. Dave Robertson wouldn't go in. And it was because, uh, Alex had bought him this $1,300 suit that, you know, he, had, Dave Robertson is a rookie at that point. It's the yeah, most expensive yeah. thing that he owns and he <laughs> refuses to jump in the pool. And, um, it, it almost came to blows because AJ Burnett was going to throw him in the pool. And finally, oh, like man. Kevin Long, the hitting coach had to console him. And, um, he was like, look, dude, wow. Alex, will, Alex will buy you another another suit just go in and so 10 years later i'm at target field and we're doing research for this book and robertson came back he had a second wave with the yankees and i was talking to him in his locker and you know dave was very friendly and funny and uh i talked to him i bring up the pool party and it was like a storm cloud went over his face and he was and he goes i didn't think it was funny then and i don't think it's funny now and it's like i was like i didn't think i was gonna go to a high school party i was like you're still mad about this 10 years later that's crazy um so that that's the first thing and then the second thing is so we we set up interviews with these guys to to meet up with them whenever possible and so um, you know, we met with Girardi at MLB Network, and um, we drove up to Connecticut with uh, Teixeira and went to his office. And so the next day after that, I mean, they're very, you know, kind of routine interviews. We, we walk in and we sat down with him. Alex, everything has to be a production with Alex. And, and that's just <laughs> his life. It is. And so um, we, get, we were going to do a phone call with Alex, and we got a call about two hours before it was going to happen and said, Uh, from Alex's guy. And he said, Alex would prefer to meet with you. And I was like, okay, great. Awesome. So we drove into Manhattan and we go to Alex's apartment building where he's getting an apartment where he had an apartment with Jennifer Lopez. And so we walk in and it's like this uh, billiards conference room. Alex is in a three piece suit sitting at a table and (laughs) you know, he's in a meeting with somebody and the meeting breaks up. And he comes out and he shakes our hands and he says, um, all right, well, how long do you guys have? Because, you know, I, I got stuff to do. And I was like, well, you called us here. <laughs> so um, I was like, we have an, as much time as you do. And um, he said, well, look, uh, you know, Jennifer's on Fallon tonight. We, I got to get over to 30 Rock, but we'll, uh, we'll talk in the car. And I was like, all right, so did I just come all the way into Manhattan to get 10 minutes with you? Well, it turned out that J-Lo was doing some kind of rehearsal in Brooklyn. And it was going to take her a while to get to 30 Rock. So we get in this car that's like a, it's, I think it's called a Mercedes Sprinter. I mean, it basically looked like an airplane on, on four wheels. And <laughs> like, it was beautiful. The air conditioning is pumped, cranking, and it's all these leather seats. And um, it's, it's probably the nicest car I've ever been in in my life. So <laughs> we, uh, we do the interview in there. We're kind of 
talking about all the, you know, the good and the bad of 2009 with Alex and um, we're rolling through Midtown and it's crazy. Um, so basically we pull up outside 30 Rock and Jennifer um, was gonna, she was still across the bridges. So we sat there for 45 minutes to an hour, just, you know, double parked on, on the street outside Rockefeller Center talking to A-Rod about, uh, about the one World Series that he won and it was awesome. Um, but of course, you know, in, in typical Alex fashion, Everything has to be a production and everything is crazy. And, um, you know, we get out of the oh car and there's paparazzi taking photos of Alex. And we're just like, um, this is weird. Like, <laughs> this is every day of your life, man. Um, so, I don't know. It was cool to kind of get a glimpse behind the curtain. And I, I put that all in the book. I mean, because that's just, uh, I think that really kind of sums up yeah. Alex's life. Like, it, everything is just wild. And, you know, it, it's, it, the contrast of that to, to Shara where... Uh, the day before, we we drove to Connecticut and sat in his office and talked, and then he went to go play golf. And like, that was yeah. a normal day for Tex. And, uh, of course, Alex is just – there are no normal days. Right, right. It's, it's, it's crazy. I can't even, uh, you know, fathom what – someone at, as a, a, as high of a celebrity he is uh, deals with every day or um, but from the sounds of it he probably loves it <laughs> I think <laughs> he loves yeah. all that production <laughs> I think uh, yeah I think he embraces that especially now I mean he's totally different now than he would have been 10 years ago and, and I think that came across in the book too I mean he was in the crosshairs of MLB. He was, yeah. uh, you know, that was the year that he was outed for performance enhancing drugs. And there was always that kind of uh, icy relationship with Derek Jeter on the left side mm-hmm. of the infield. I, yeah. I think that there was always a lot of drama with Alex. And, uh, you know, we hadn't even seen the drama yet uh, in 2009. We saw it yeah. later in, tw- in yeah. 2013. That was the height of it where he's, uh, you know, <laughs> threatening lawsuits against Major League Baseball yeah. and the Yankees yeah. and all this crazy stuff. Nice. And, um, I think that the fact he was able to come back from that is really one of the great comeback stories now. And, and it just shows, I mean, the way he handled it um, was not good in the time, but what he's done since retirement has been nothing short of amazing because um, now you see he's on Sunday night baseball and, you know, major league baseball was sending him to London to be a spokesperson for the league before the yeah. London series. Yeah. And he really, um, he worked his way back into baseball's good graces. And I, I say one thing about Alex. He's one of the smartest players I've ever been around between the white lines. I even said this at the time when he was playing. I said, um, between the white lines, this guy is one of the smartest baseball players I've ever been around. Like, he sees the game on a different level than even other professional athletes. Forget media and fans or whatever. Um, it's outside the white lines where he has trouble. And so right. I think he somehow found a balance where – yeah, he knows what he's doing now. He knows who he is. I think he's he's tried to stop pretending to be somebody that he's not. Maybe it's getting away from Jeter's shadow and, and trying to live up to that. I don't know. But, I mean, we could probably fill a whole podcast with that. But, um, you know, I, I like this Alex Rodriguez. I really do. I like I like retirement A-Rod. And so um, I came away with a different opinion of him just after writing that book, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it is really incredible how – he like you just you just said his whole transition and post career and how his image has just gotten so much better um a really really incredible story so i know we only have a little bit more time left oh we you. got i got time I got you got time oh time. okay good yeah. good I got, I got i got a lot, <laughs> I got Unfortun- a lot of unfortunately i've got nothing but time these days. yeah yeah well 
one of the things, speaking of time, is can you put us into a, quote, day in the life of Brian Hoke in terms of how you get scoops? Uh, you know, do you have Brian Cashman on speed dial? Or <laughs> I would say now maybe it's speed text <laughs> with all these guys. Um, is it, um, I, I would just, I see, I don't know anything about the process of being a reporter and trying to, you know, get a story. Is it calling guys, texting guys, emailing, seeing them at the park or a whole combination? Would love any, anything you can tell us about the process of getting a story. Cause I, I actually saw, um, I think it was probably your wife had taken a picture of you in spring <laughs> training writing you it looked like you were on the hood of your car and i think you said you're outside of target writing yep. notes <laughs> and i don't know if you if it was that you're on the phone with brian cashman or something but yeah i would just love a, a a journalist perspective on getting stories or anything of that nature uh pertaining to the job yeah i remember that that was the day that was early in spring training it was the day that james paxton had his surprise back surgery oh, that's and I, right. I had cashman that's on the phone and i was uh, taking notes on the back of a receipt from Target because, you know. I, mean, <laughs> I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, but, um, yeah, to answer your question, I mean, these are obviously strange times, and so um, more of the work now is not being done face-to-face. -face. It's uh, texting and calling guys. And, you know, what's, what's interesting is, you know, even compared to five years ago, I think that everybody texts now. Um, yeah, that's the yeah. thing. And, and so even when you're talking about uh, people in the Yankees front office and players and sources around the league, um, text is actually the preferred option. You know, that's, yeah. that's the way Cashman's mm -hmm. even making trades like during the winter meetings. They're not really speaking face to face as much as um, they're just texting ideas back and forth and you know, wow. saying, hey, would you do this guy for this guy? No. Would you do this guy? <laughs> well, maybe, you know, and then if it leads to something, um, then they finally have face to face conversations. Yeah. But um, in my uh, field, I, I enjoy the face-to-face -face interaction. You know, I like going into the clubhouse and talking to guys. I think that's how you get the real stuff, um, you know, and just having conversations with people. You know, there's there's been so many times over the years where, you know, you started a conversation with somebody that you're friendly with, and then it leads to the second thing, and then the third thing, and then, you know, right. the player or the player or the person will say, oh, hey, <laughs> did you know that blah, blah, blah? And then it's like, oh, no, I didn't. and there's your story. You got something. Yeah. And, and, and you follow up on it, and then you ask real questions. But I feel like that's where the seeds get planted. Um, you know, text and phone calls are important, but I feel like I use that a lot to confirm information that's already out there. Um, and just in terms of, you know, if there's a report that, um, you know, I'm trying to think of an example, but the Yankees have traded for player X. A lot of times I'll chase that down via text. Um, mm -hmm. but in terms of like reporting out a story and getting good detail and, um, you know, kind of telling a story, which is what I really like to do. I think, um, uh, there's no substitute for having a face-to-face -face conversation. The second choice would be doing a phone call. Third is text. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, at some point we're going to get back in the clubhouse and um, I'll be able to go to guys' locker rooms, uh, lockers, and we can have those conversations again. And, um, you know, things will be relatively normal. But I, I, I wish I could tell you when that's going to be. Um, you know, I, I keep thinking back to this spring training and there was probably – it was probably around March 8th, I would say, you know, before this all 
mm-hmm. went crazy. And uh, I was talking to Chad Green, and we were talking about he was going to use his curveball more this year and why that was important for him. And yeah. I, I had it on recorder. And I recorded the conversation, and I remember for some reason there was some other news happening that day. So I said, all right, I'll save this, and we'll, we'll do it another day. And that, ne- that day never came. And, um, and now it just seems completely unimportant. So I miss having days where you could have a baseball talk like that and, um, think, well, I'll save it for tomorrow. And, and so that was kind of the last day of normalcy, I think for me in spring training this year, just having a baseball conversation with a pitcher about, um, he was going to expand his repertoire and why he was going to do that and what difference he thought it was going to make. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I still, (laughs) I never wrote it because, then the world wow. went upside down. And so um, hopefully we'll get back to a day where I can talk to Chad Green about his curveball again. <laughs> wow, look at that. We just broke a story. Brian, you just broke a story on the, <laughs> on the podcast. Look at that. Breaking yeah. news. Well, no, that's really you know, cool. That's really I hope cool. that I hope that Chad gets to use his curveball a lot this year. Let's <laughs> let's say that. Oh, same here. Same here. And you know, that must have been wild when this whole COVID-19 started to really get crazy down in spring training because they had you guys, um, it, what, I don't know, even know what you want to call it, sectioned off? Like, weren't you guys yeah, I'll like, tell, they I'll, tell you the, I'll tell you the whole story about that. So, um, so like I said, that Chad Green Day happened. And then I think a couple days later, they had a night game against somebody at Steinbrenner Field. And so we go down to the clubhouse and, you know, after the game, we were having the very routine conversation with Aaron Boone about, oh, you know, how did this guy play? You know, the starting pitcher, we asked a question about him or whatever. And while this interview is going on, um, Boone has like a uh, magic marker dry erase board in his uh, – office that has you know a calendar on it and it says you know tomorrow's starting pitcher is Tanaka or whatever it was right and I saw that on that day was written coronavirus and I so we asked him um you know what's that all about you know are people worried about this or whatever and Boone told us that you know uh, the team doctor came in and told the guys about what's going on and you know, they take some precautions, don't shake hands with people, don't sign so many autographs. And it yeah. didn't seem like something that was going to upend all of baseball and spring training at that point. And then um, a couple of days later, that was when Major League Baseball said that we weren't allowed in the clubhouse anymore. And, you know, some people took that better than others. But I don't think any of us had an idea of what was really happening. Um, you yeah. know, in the, in the world at large, I mean, this is now March 12 or somewhere in there. And so mm-hmm. for a few days, they set up kind of a, a six foot perimeter outside the clubhouse. They were bringing guys out and the guys were all good with it. They were, they were fine. And they came out and they talked to us. Um, it, you know, Brett Gardner came out and Aaron judge came out and, um, you know, Zach Britton spoke almost every day as the player rep. And, um, it was kind of like what we do during the regular season, um, in terms of, you know, when you need a guy on TV, because uh, they don't allow TV cameras in the, in the clubhouse pregame. And so um, mm-hmm. it, it was basically the same thing as that, which is not um, the best situation. Like I just talked to you about Chad Green, and um, that was good because that was a one-on-one conversation. And, and yeah. this, it, when you're bringing a guy out in front of everybody, you're never going to have that one-on-one conversation. But, you know, we understood that there was something going on and you roll with it. And so that continued for maybe three or four more days. And then um, that Thursday afternoon, the, the team was on the other side of the state and the, uh, they were playing in West Palm. And that's when it came down. It, this is the day after, I think, that the NBA 
uh, the Rudy Gobert thing, mm-hmm. and then they shut down, and then Major League Baseball, you knew they were on borrowed time, and so that, and then everything kind of halted, and so no more games to go to, and um, for a few more days, we, uh, for about a week, I kept going over to Steinbrenner Field, we'd stand on the sidewalk outside the players' entrance, and um, kind of like we do in the beginning of spring training, when um, they're at the minor league complex, where there's no access there. And so we stand on the sidewalk a lot and wait for guys to leave and we flag them down. And, um, you know, the guys for the most part were good about stopping and talking to us about what they're doing there. You know, DJ LeMayhew was there and um, Luke Voigt and Judge and Stanton and Severino. And, um, you know, uh, I I think that in the beginning, the players voted unanimously that they wanted to stay here in Tampa, but I don't think anybody understood how long this layoff was going to be. And yeah. so once it once it became clear that this was going to be um, a month month to month thing and not two three weeks, um, I think then the players started to scatter and realize like, all right, do I really want to keep coming here? And and now we've had uh, you know stay at home orders here in Florida, so that's shut down completely anyway. Now yeah. except to the the rehab guys like Judge Stanton Severino. Uh, so I think that there's just a party of three over there at Steinbrenner Field, and they've uh, oh. they've locked the gates so we can't even get over there anymore so yeah yeah it's been it's been wild um you know it's crazy i keep looking at the calendar and um you know the yankees should be having a homestand right now and i'm out here on my balcony in my spring training apartment looking (laughs) at an empty pool an empty pool that hasn't been open for three weeks and it's just it's weird it's just um the world really just stopped (laughs) somewhere on march 14 and um you know i i can't wait for it to start again yeah, it, it really is crazy, especially the photographs I think that you see of like Times Square and there's like yeah. one person walking across the street. It's just, yeah, it, it's so insane. It, it really, really is. Um, well, the problem, I, yeah, I, yes. And New York is obviously the epicenter of what's going on. And I, my heart goes out to God, we love New York. And yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, that's home. And yeah. so, you know, I, 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 there was no, really no reason to rush back up for us. Um, right. We drove down to spring training um, and um, we've got, I've got my two daughters here, three and one. And the idea of packing everything up and then heading back up there where things are arguably worse, didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, so, you know, at least the weather's nice down here. It's 85 and sunny, not that you can <laughs> right. do anything. Um, once in a while we, we drive over to Clearwater beach and look at the ocean, but uh, look at the, um, the Gulf of Mexico, but, uh, yeah, you can't, can't go on the beaches. People are finally staying home. And so, yeah, it's, it's crazy here, but I can't imagine what it's like to be in midtown Manhattan where, you know, the hustle and bustle is what makes New York great. And the, yeah. the fact that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love the restaurants in New York, the fact that you can go out to eat and get whatever you want at any hour of the day. And that's not yep. there anymore. Exactly. And, um, I love Yankee stadium and that, I don't know when that's going to be open again. And so, um, yeah, it's thanks to be talking about all this, but I, I really hope we get back to normal sooner rather than later. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> I, I hear you. I am like everybody else, want to get back to normal, want to get back to Yankees. You just talked about your kids, and I want to know this is a really important question. When are we going to see more baseball bedtime stories? <laughs> <laughs> Did you like that? Yeah, we should do I another loved one. It. I actually Thank loved you. it. If, if anybody hasn't seen it, go to Brian's – I think it was on Instagram. I think it – I uh, think it was, yeah. <clears throat> he did a baseball book. I forget which baseball book it was. It was like a kid's baseball book. And he is doing it with his 
daughter. It's called, uh, I don't know what, if you called it anything, but it's baseball bedtime stories. And man, your daughter, first of all, being so cute, was so funny. She was, <laughs> he was hysterical. And it was like, it was like she was the comedian and you were trying to be like, what do they call it in, uh, in comedy? Like the, the, the straight man. The straight yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like you go. trying to be serious and she's saying all this stuff. I was like, yeah. I, you know, my mind started turning. I'm like, okay, reality show. Uh, oh. Meet the hoax. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it was great. I loved it. I, I want to see it. I would love to see one every day. And the other thing, the other thing that I want to see as a, a well, I, it is a, it is a, a consistent thing, which I loved was your stories that you were doing. You were taking yeah. pictures of, you know, that were in, was that in the spring training facility or were those pictures you had from Yankee? Oh, Stadium, the, the Yankee Clubhouse? of the day thing was actually, yes. so like I'm saying that last day that we were at Steinbrenner field, when baseball announced it was shutting down, I kind of lingered for a while and I wandered into the suite area where they have all these uh, photographs of the old Yankee legends. And yeah, I didn't know when I was ever going to get back into that building. So I took as many pictures as I could. And um, yeah, I was using them. Uh, on my Instagram feed, Yankee of the Day. And so they, they have such a great photo archive there. And I think I got through the, the core four and started getting into you yeah. know, the Mantle and Maris and the Ruth and Gehrig um, things. I don't think I actually did Lou Gehrig yet. Maybe I should. And uh, I definitely should. Um, yeah, I've got a few of those still in the, uh, in the hopper there that I can tell stories about. Uh, yeah, obviously, I didn't cover Ruth or Gehrig, but um, I, I really enjoyed kind of taking people back behind, um, you know, we all know, we know who Derek Jeter and Jorge Posada are, for example, but, um, you know, I, I feel like I had a perspective where I was seeing their career on a daily basis and I got to be behind the scenes with them, which is yeah. really one of the coolest things about uh, this time frame that I covered the Yankees because I got to see every single one of the core four end his career. Um, you know, I, I got to cover them for years and got yeah. to see their farewells and the end of that, the transition from how it became the Derek Jeter team to the Aaron Judge team. And, um, you know, that that was my first book. The Baby Bombers was basically yeah. Jeter to Judge. And so um, having mm-hmm. kind of being a fly on the wall and having a front row seat to see that in real time was uh, something that was cool in the moment. And I think that even now is uh, is just gaining kind of. Uh, wait to me you know i we uh mlb has been streaming these old games and jeter's farewell i live tweeted along with it and it doesn't feel like that long ago but now you look and uh, i mean yeah and and now that that's what 2014 and so um yeah i think that it's crazy to think it's already been six years i know now jeter's in the hall of fame and um, it, it was cool to, to watch that game again, pitch by pitch. And because I was there, I, I had a front row seat in the press box. You know, I was, I had to tear up my game story when Dave Robertson gave up the two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I had a, I thought I had something pretty good, ready to go. And then you have to scramble and, uh, Jeter, of course he wrote a better ending to it than I ever could have. So, I know. um, yeah, it was, uh, it's been cool to have a front row seat and, um, yeah, I think that in the end I wound up where I was supposed to be and I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. Like, uh, you know, going back to your, uh, Yankee of the day, I love that. I love all the, just, I love the stories you told. You probably could write like 
a whole encyclopedia series of all your stories <laughs> of all the Yankees. But that is something I really love. Like just these, like even, you know, these stories you've told for us right now and uh, definitely keep going with Yankee of the day. I think it's awesome. One personally, I would love to know, not sure if you have even met Greg Nettles, but Greg Nettles, my all-time favorite Yankee. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever had the opportunity to meet him and any stories about him? Yeah, when I, was, uh, when I started on the beat, um, he was one of the guest instructors in spring training. So Nettles was around a lot. Um, you know, he was working with Alex, I think, at third base at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know what has happened between him. I know he had a, a health issue, but... Um, I, I, for some reason, he yeah. hasn't been back as a guest instructor, and I think it may be the health issue. But he was actually just here in uh, in Tampa right before this all went nuts. Really? And I remember it's it's right around the time frame where um, spring training was continuing, but we weren't allowed in the clubhouse. I think it was the first day that they they said we weren't mm -hmm. in. Um, there was a Yankees Red Sox um, rivalry reunion over in Clearwater, and so Nettles was there with. Uh, uh -oh. Mickey Rivers I hope and not Bill Lee. <laughs> Bill Lee was there, and he was great. It was he was hilarious. Like uh, I mean, I I've never encountered Bill Lee before, and just listening, I was in the crowd. I brought my dad, and um, yeah, listening to him and um, Bernie Carbo was there, and um, Goose Gossage was there, and Susan Waldman moderated it, and Wade Boggs oh, wow. was there. I mean, it was a really cool like all star cast and just hearing these guys tell old stories from back in the day was awesome. But yeah, Nettles was there. He talked about, uh, you know, catching the final out of the Bucky Dent game. And, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, and they did like a fan Q and a, and there were more than one person who stood up and told Nettles that uh, they were the reason that they played third base in little league back in the day. And they used to dive all over the backyard trying to make Greg Nettles plays. And so, uh, yeah, that's me. Bill Lee, yeah. <laughs> Bill Lee stole the show that night. Uh, Bill Lee was loud. Uh, I, I think that there were a couple drinks flowing in the back of the room, <laughs> um, you know, before they got out on stage, but it was awesome. I just, I love the old ball players. I love hearing those stories and, um, you know, there's a certain amount of the just the game was just different back then. Um, yeah. I mean, there was there was less money at stake and uh, it was, I, I think, more of a game and less of a business at that point. And um, there's I mean, maybe I'm looking back through rose colored glasses and obviously. That, <laughs> really? uh, yeah. But I just hearing those guys swap stories about the old days and to yeah. hear it, you know, for example, the Bucky Dent game to hear it from the Yankee perspective and the Red Sox perspective. That was awesome. And I, I wonder if that is uh, available somewhere online. I'm going to try oh, and find it because I think be I should awesome. tweet it out. I, I'm sure I that somebody that. had to be rolling video on that yeah. because it was a really fun <laughs> night. And, uh, I'm going to try and find that and see if I can get it out to people. That's awesome. I would love to see that. Well, you know, I, I had said Bill Lee because the whole uh, Nettles yeah. Bill Lee brawl that happened mm -hmm. back in the day. Um, Basically and, ended his career. Yeah, I mean, he was never the yeah. same pitcher after that. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, with people standing up, I was, you know, Nettles was just like you said, I thought you were, if it was like you were talking about me. The reason I started playing third base, the reason I wore number nine, mm -hmm. um, he was just my, you know, my name being G-R-E-G, -E I always mm -hmm. wanted it to be G-R-A-I-G, like Craig Nettles. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, even, even my signature, I copied his G's and made a, mine so he he's had funny. a huge impact 
and um, actually where where I record, which really isn't a studio, but I call it a studio. I call it the Greg Nettles studio. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> In honor of him. Um, I would, yeah, I, I, huge, huge fan. So that is really cool. Would love to see video of that. And, um, you know, it's it, like I, I was saying, these stories, I just love these stories. Um, you know, one of my favorite things uh, that I had ever attended was Joe Torrey did a, uh, little Q and a talk, uh, on the West side of Manhattan at mm -hmm. some theater, uh, bat, like when he was still Yankee manager and he told some great stories. I don't know if you were at that event, but, um, it's, no, I wasn't. it's, you know, that is, those are some of the things that I really, obviously the game of baseball is amazing and the, and the stories that happen in game, but you know, I love all of these little stories that, that, tell a little bit more about a person's, uh, you know, player's personality or, or uh, just to give a little something extra to them. Um, yeah. I love it. I love it. But to give a little bit more to hear about you, Brian, <laughs> I want to hear a few things such as what is your favorite Back to the Future movie. Which one in the series is the best? Oh, <laughs> Since oh. I know you were a big fan. <laughs> yeah, we had my wife. My wife and I had a DeLorean at our wedding. That's how big of a fan <laughs> I am. So, yeah, we, wow. It, it, believe it or not, you can rent the time machine. Um, wow. And so, <laughs> car is a lot more cramped than I thought it would be. Um, but we have we have good photos in there. Um, I understand why that car did not succeed. <laughs> uh, I, I guess I got to go the first one. The first one is the classic and, um, you know, certainly. Uh, I, yeah, I would imagine. I mean, going back to the 50s, I love that whole idea of uh, seeing your, your parents when they were in high school and would you be friends with them? And, um, yeah, that, that just kind of lets your imagination run wild. And so, yeah, Back yeah, to the Future 1 is my favorite. Is I, I like 2. 3 gets a bad rap. I think that uh, for some reason – People don't like the Western part, but I love that. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> right, man. Right. If I had a time machine, what would I do with it? I feel like that. Uh, you can you can spend all day talking about that. So um, yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's yeah. funny. The other thing I need to ask you about on your bio is that you like quote compelling games. What are compelling games? Um, not 12 to one Red Sox Yankees at Fenway that takes five hours. <laughs> oh, okay. Compelling baseball games or games. Yeah, games. Yeah. Oh, I thought we were yeah. talking like Monopoly or something. No, no. I mean, give me, give me a three to oh, two. I gotcha. Give me a two to one. Give me something with some drama, something, a story I can tell. Don't give me a game where it's over in the third inning and everybody's just kind of running out the clock. Oh, um, now, I, yeah. now I understand. Now yeah. I understand. Uh, but you know what? Hey, hey, the way things are going right now i'll sign up for a five-hour game at fenway right now oh, give me give me a 16 nothing yeah. at fenway i'll take it oh my goodness that's funny uh what's one of your favorite speaking of compelling games is there a compelling game memory that stands out to you that someone's like if you had to name one game or or go back or go into wow. your time machine and go back to one game anything stick out to you Wow, there's so many games racing through my mind right now. I don't even know how I'm going to just pick one. Um, I mean, I guess I have to pick the World Series, right? I mean, I think that game six of the 2009 World Series, I mean, that wasn't a tight game, so to speak, but I think that the drama of everything that was going on there, yeah. I'd never covered a team 
from the beginning of spring training and then seeing them win the World Series. And so when I realized that that was going to happen that night uh, against Philadelphia and just kind of you realize, all right, seventh inning, eighth inning, all right, Moe's in the game now, um, you know, this is really going to happen here. And, you know, Yankee yeah. Stadium's going to yeah. go nuts. And <laughs> New York City is going to go nuts. And that was the year that, uh, I mean, you couldn't walk down the street without hearing that Jay-Z and Alicia Keys song. And it was blaring <laughs> yeah. out of every yeah. single bar. I, I lived on the Upper East Side at that time. And, um, you know, you'd, every time I'd walk back from the subway, you'd hear that. And um, just the energy, yeah. the passion that was going on. It's, it's October baseball in New York. It was actually November at that time. But um, – right just kind of that season that crisp in the air the the energy the the fact that everybody's yankee crazy in that in the city um that was so cool and i'd love to go back to that time i I mean i'd love to see the yankees win another one i think that that's what kind of uh that team didn't get enough due in my opinion because they did they signed all the free agents they signed cc they signed aj they signed Teixeira. Swisher became a star with that team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you put that super team together, and of course they were supposed to win the World Series. I, I, that's what we kind of thought in the press box. I think that's what a lot of the fans thought was yeah. like, all right, well, yeah. that's what they spent the money for. They built this you know, beautiful new ballpark, and that's why uh, this is happening. And, of course, now they're going to go win a few more. They're going to win in 2010, 2011, 2012. And now the fact that that didn't happen, mm-hmm. that they got, they got to the postseason and fell short all those years – now I look back 10 years later, now 11 years later, and it's like, well, I don't think we gave that 2009 Yankees team enough credit because it was kind of the outlier. I mean, that was not a dynasty team. It was just yeah, a one-year, yeah. kind of a, a one-year wonder, I would say. And I think it shows how hard it is to win the World Series now. But um, you, you go back, and that's the last time that Jeter was going to hold the World Series trophy. Mariano, Posada, Pettit, saying all of that. The only time that Alex was going to. The only time that CeCe would. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that now you look back at that year, and it's like, wow, that year was more special than I thought at the time because – we didn't know it was going to be the only one and you know, the only chance or the last chance for the core four. And so, um, yeah, let me go back to that one. I'll pick that game. That was, uh, that was a cool night. Yeah, that, that was, I watched that game. I was, I was unfortunately not in the stadium, but I was across the street at, I think stands oh, watching cool. that game. And, and what was that like? Uh, oh, it was, it was insanity. It was, it well, it was almost like, a lot of nerves, a lot of people were like, you know, almost like on edge of your seat, like you were saying, like, uh, you know, it, as, it, as the game rolled on, it was like, oh, wait, this is, this is going to happen. This really is right. going to happen. It was, it was a little bit uh, on pins and needles early on. And um, then, obviously, towards the end, it, it, you know, everybody just went crazy. The whole place exploded. We all ran out in front of Yankee Stadium. And as everybody was coming out, it was just more mayhem and more just love you know like so much fun and love in the air it was you know like everybody loves everybody when they yeah. in the world series like um you know like like it was it was almost like 96 again because mm-hmm. same thing like being in the city when yankees won in 96 everybody was you know i went out that uh, you know, on the, on the East side, went to all the bars and like everybody loved everybody. And then I felt like when the Yankees were, you know, winning more in uh, 98, 99, 2000, it was almost like, ah, oh, it's expected, but it was almost like 2009. It was that rebirth of like the, the, like breaking through again and, and 
all the all the Yankee love in the air. Yeah, yeah. it was it cool. Was we should have talked to you for the book. <laughs> there's there's the sequel. <laughs> yeah, might have to slap another chapter on there. <laughs> there you go. Oh, add add an extra on the end of that. Um, speaking of Yankee Stadium again. You know, we've been speaking of it the whole time. <laughs> what is your favorite Yankee Stadium food? And do you guys get something different being in the press box? Or is it the, the same food that everybody in the stands gets to? I have eaten more chicken fingers and jalapeno poppers <laughs> than go. I think anybody in the American League. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, it, when they opened the new stadium, the, the press dining, they had, it's called Shepherd's Place after Bob Shepard. And the food was outstanding. It was the, the best in the American League. And really? I think, uh, yeah, it was. And, you know, in the, in the years that passed, um, they've kind of scaled it back a little bit where it's, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of pasta, a lot of, a lot of carbs, a lot of chicken. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that's fine. I mean, it's still above average, and um, so we don't worry about us. We're eating well up there. Uh, I wish, uh, I wish I got out in the stands more. Um, you know, a couple times I've done the low bells thing down the left field line, and mm -hmm. it's very mm -hmm. good. It's it's pricey, but it's good. Um, there's a sushi stand down the left field line, around third base. That's very good. Um, there's a new market. Uh, you know what? The last postseason, they didn't have press dining. So instead, they gave us um, kind of a gift card that we could use. Um, oh. I think it, it was preloaded with, I don't know, $15, mm -hmm. $20 a day. Um, so I got to explore a little bit during the postseason and go down. the. There was a market down the right field line. And I feel like they had, they had something good down there that was like steak or chicken or uh, oh, you know what it was? It was kind of like a rotisserie chicken that was good down mm -hmm. the right field line. So uh, they, they've they've definitely tried to expand past hot dogs and coke and popcorn. Yeah. I think um, yeah. there's there, there's definitely a lot of options out there. You know what I get a lot um, if if the press dining isn't um, you know a lot of times especially for day games they give uh, the breakfast kind of those you know canned uh, <laughs> the powdered uh, scrambled <laughs> eggs and stuff and sometimes yeah. I just pass on that and I'll go outside and right outside the press box is the uh, there's a Jersey Mike's cheesecake uh, cheese steak stand and so i'll, I'll yeah. get one of those and you could just smell that the whole game the cheesesteaks are wafting into the press box and so sometimes <laughs> sometimes i can't resist then I'll, I'll go for that yeah i well i gotta say i i fight anyone if they say that uh yankee stadium garlic fries aren't the best fries in the world I, oh you know what though <laughs> have you have you tried uh have you been to san francisco oh uh, well the yes. ballpark, the ballpark in San well, Francisco. Do you want? I I can tell you a story about that too. But what? Do you, yes, I have been there. I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, the AT and the AT and T Park garlic fries to me are are the gold standard. I mean, well, the, those are the best. Well, here's here's something funny, and I was actually going to talk about this. Very timely. <laughs> so, before they built the new Yankee Stadium, my wife Susanna's sister was living in San Francisco, and we. Mm -hmm flew out to meet her. Um, uh, I think she had just had a baby. We went to fly out, meet the baby. And her uh, now husband, boyfriend at the time said, hey, I just got tickets to the Giants game. They're playing the Padres. Do you guys uh -huh. wanna go? And I'm like, definitely. And now the Padres, you know, Greg Nettles actually, when he went to the Padres, uh, pa Padres became 
my second favorite team, obviously after the Yankees, but I was a big Padres fan when Nettles went there and they had Steve Garvey and Goose Gossage that 84 season. So I was like, you know, I didn't really follow the Padres after Nettles left there, but I'm like, oh yeah, Padres, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll you know, I've, I've got something rooted with them against the Giants. So we went there and AT&T was, you know, I don't even know what year this was, but um, like I said, New Yankee Stadium was kind of a, a thought at that time. And we go there and I have the garlic fries. And I think it was the first time I ever had garlic fries. And I, you know, in AT&T Park and it was still pretty brand new. And I was like, wow, this stadium's amazing. It was the first like modern ballpark I was in. I'm like, it made me think the Yankees need to open up a new stadium, build this new stadium, even though I love the old stadium, and they have to carry garlic fries <laughs> like these. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you are right. The, the AT&T, although what's it called now? Did they change it to Oracle? I think I they remember. did. You're right. You're right. But, and, uh, you know, um, I remember when it was Pac Bell. I mean, you oh, can never yeah. keep, you can never yeah, keep these right. things I know. straight. I know. It's crazy with the names of these. But yes, I have been there, and the garlic fries, like you said, are outstanding. I guess I just have to give it. Uh, Yankee Stadium, the nod, just because it's okay. Stadium. <laughs> Agree to disagree. You got it. But is there any other stadium out there that, or town, that you love to travel to following the Yankees, MLB 10? I mean, yeah. I, I love, you know, that's one of the definite perks of this is that I've gotten to see the entire, um, all, all the major league cities and, and by just by doing this job and um, love the West coast, love Seattle, love San Francisco. Um, LA is fun. Um, you know, Chicago is amazing. Yeah. I, I get this question yeah. a lot. People ask me, <laughs> what is your favorite stadium? And so I think that you got to take Fenway Dodger stadium Wrigley. You put them in their own league. Uh, I mean, those are just yeah. the classic ballparks. Yeah. Um, of the new breed, I would say non-Yankee Stadium division. I my answer is always Target Field in Minnesota. I, I love oh. that ballpark. I think it is. They did everything right. It's perfect. Um, I, I don't know if I want to be standing in the in the seats on March 31, but <laughs> uh, in the middle of the summer when Minnesota is out and um, when everybody kind of is in shorts and t-shirts and they. It's just a fun atmosphere to be in that ballpark. I think that mm -hmm. the fact that the winters are so brutal there, people really embrace summer a lot more. And so everybody's yeah. just out having yeah. a good time. And um, the ballparks are, are alive. And that's, that, that is definitely, I think, top of the list for me. And I keep thinking back to that, that wild game the Yankees had last year, the 14-12 to 12 game where Aaron Hicks made the catch one. left center. Yeah. I mean, that oh. was one of the best games I've ever been to uh, in person. And so seeing that game – that was just a crazy night. And I remember walking out of Target Field that night thinking, like, man, if these two teams meet in the playoffs, which, of course, they did, it's going to be an epic series. And actually, it turned out to not be because the Twins did what the Twins always do and roll over for the Yankees. But um, <laughs> and that night, it seemed like they were just so evenly matched and it would be a great postseason series. And I said, I hope these teams meet in October because that would be oh, awesome. Wow. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and they did. But, um, you know, it ended the way it always does with the <laughs> Yes, the right way. <laughs> That's fun. You know, speaking of Target Field, it's funny because I, you know, just last week, I found an article I ripped out about when they um, had opened Target Field. And did you do you know about the heating coils they have in the field? At Target Field? Yeah. No, they, I didn't. They, to, to melt the snow? 
to, I guess, to melt the snow and maybe, and to keep it warm in those, like you said, being there in, you know, March or April. Right. Um, and I guess for postseason baseball too, to, uh, yeah. you know, who knows if they, you know, get some frost there, but uh, yeah, they, they put this like new technology at the time that was heating coils underneath the, the, I guess it's the, the turf base uh, uh-huh. there. Uh, lawn wow. bay, not that it's turf, but yeah, yeah, pretty. No, pretty I didn't cool. know that. I, I can tell you that at Yankee Stadium, if if there's a torrential downpour, once they pull the tarp and then dump it in the outfield, uh, the, the yeah. way it drains is amazing. It, it it drains so quickly and so well yeah. that I, 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 I you, you know, when they pull the tarp, they put that water in the outfield and it looks like there's a lake out there. And then you look up five minutes later and it's gone. It's It's yeah. crazy to see how that that works and um i remember there was one game last year where i think the drains were clogged and then they had to cancel the game but um more often than not the way these new field technologies work is just amazing yeah. and yeah the the i mean there's been some games where you think there's no way they're playing this game and then you look up and it's eight o'clock and they're playing so it's um yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it is amazing between the field technology and what those crews do, which I'm sure you see firsthand being at the stadium. Yeah, it is, it is really, really amazing. Well, Brian, I think we should wrap it up because I'm sure you have to get to something more important than this little show. But <laughs> might really? have to do a baseball bedtime soon. There you go. <laughs> Baseball nap time. You need to do one nap time. Hopefully your kids oh, nap. Naps fingers are- crossed. <laughs> let's, let's, get, let's hope for that. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Well, again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was awesome. I loved all the stories. Um, we finally got it together. I was actually thinking back to um, how we first started communicating. I think I first uh, touched base with you on Twitter. And I think it was with your birthday, oh, which is happy belated birthday. I know it was the Thank other you. day. And I think I had, I think you had tweeted something out. And I think you either had a typo or something. And it was on your birthday. <laughs> oh, no. You were at the stadium. And I wrote to you. And I, I said something to you like, Brian, have you been having too much fireball on your birthday or something? Oh, so we yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And then I think I responded to that and Fireball Whiskey sent me like a care package. Yeah, which you was, told me. You told but me. But they didn't send they didn't send me any whiskey, unfortunately. I know. I, wish, I, I wish remember they, they, they sent me a t-shirt or something. I remember cool. following up with you and you yeah. said it was great, but they didn't send me it. And then I was like, well, I wonder if it's illegal to send if you can mail. Well, I'll tell you, I, I'll give you another you. story. I'll give you a story real quick. So yeah. for for an entire season, Brett Gardner used this country walk-up song. I mean, he always yeah. whatever the, the hot yeah. country song is and uh this one was the this the lyric was something about southern comfort running through my veins and <laughs> when you when you hear that 400 times over the course of the season it drives you nuts <laughs> and so I, I for some reason and we were tweeting about it or joking about it and um southern comfort sent me a bottle <laughs> as a oh, thank no you for way, tweeting really? about their product oh, and it was goodness. like this um it came in this beautiful mahogany box. They sent it to Yankee Stadium, and it said, you know, alcohol included. And so, like, the Yankees yeah. PR department brought it to me and was like, what did you order and why did you send it here? I was like, I didn't even send anything here. I wouldn't order oh. booze on the internet and send it to Yankee Stadium. Oh, um, but, but it came in this mahogany box, and it said uh, – it had, like, a special label on it and said, like, 
special Brian Hoke edition or something of Southern Comfort. And <laughs> I haven't drank it. I, that's not really my kind of go-to, but uh, yeah. it's cool to have it on the shelf. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, I, I might have to, you know, uh, you know, we're always looking for sponsorships here. So I, you know, and I've been trying to, I've been trying hard for Fireball, but they, I'm not getting anywhere with them. I no. might have to switch to Southern Comfort. <laughs> I remember back in college, uh, SoCo and Lime, we would do shots of oh, that a yeah. lot. Uh, yeah. um, but yep. uh, my college days that were was behind a big me one. <laughs> Yeah. That was a big one. I remember that. Yes. Um, Brian, before you go, if you have some time, I lied. We're not wrapping it up unless you have to go. But we do something on the show where my producer, Mario, we do something called the Mario Five, and he gives me five random words, and I have to draw it back to the Yankees somehow. And okay. it, I think it was a, I think I started, I never know how I started, but I think it was a play off of, do you remember the Kevin Bacon game? Six sure. degrees of Kevin Bacon. Okay, some people may not know it. So I don't know, I think I was thinking of that, and I had to do the moves in five. So like the other day, Usually I can think of something random about the Yankees and it's kind of a way just to get me to tell some either stories of like my personal Yankee going to games or something or a player that I like, like Greg Nettles usually comes up a lot. But like, for example, Mar and I don't see the words beforehand, Mario gives them to me and I would love to run through you, run, run a couple of words with you if you are open to it. And like last week was one of the words was run. And don't ask me why, because probably because it's called Yankee crazy, because I'm a little crazy. But Ricky Henderson came into my mind for run. Okay. Ricky yeah. Henderson was like, oh, man, I loved Ricky Henderson when he came to the Yankees. Couldn't believe that they didn't win a World Series with him. Uh, although that was those, those 80s teams that had all those stars. And You know what? If, <laughs> they had the, if they had the wild card then, it might have uh, been a different story. Yeah, true. True. Good, good point. So – here is I'm gonna I'm gonna have Mario give the first word to you, and you have five. You know you can you can you can make connections, okay. kind of like the Kevin Bacon game. Like you could do you know uh, I don't know. We'll we'll go through it and and see if you can do it. So here's the okay. first one. The first word is ready. Anything come to mind? Like I've already well, got the one. first. The first thing that came to my mind was set go, but um, then the second thing. <laughs> okay. Randy, Re Randy Reddy. Remember he he used to play for the Phillies back in the day, somewhere in the eighties. Um, Randy Reddy, no. Yeah, yeah. Randy Reddy, I think, was a third baseman for the Phillies back in the day. So that was that's the second thing that came to my mind. I'm just kind of closing my eyes and um, I'm sorry, it's not a Yankee thing, but it's a baseball thing, so I'm gonna go with it. But that's easy. But you could also, you could, you know, it's something like that. That's great. See, that's good. You're, you're good at this. Right? I should have known. You're a smart guy. You're a journalist. You're, you're an author. <laughs> you should. So like something like that for Reddy, Randy Reddy. If I knew Randy Reddy and he played third base, then I would think about um, Mike Schmidt and mm -hmm. how I feel Greg Nettles always got, um, you know, Greg Nettles obviously didn't put up the numbers like Mike Schmidt and no. George yep. Brett. And I think mm -hmm. that's what I think having those guys play at the same time uh, didn't have people really appreciate how great he was. Um, me as a Yankee fan, and got to see him all the time. I, I thought he was the greatest third base of all time. <laughs> but um, so that's where I would have gone with it. And we would have got the Yankee okay. connection. <laughs> got it. All right. Thank next. you. I'll give you an assist on that one. <laughs> all right the next word mario let us have it back b-a-c-k back 
uh, James Paxton just had back surgery. So there that's, you go. that's the first that. thing that came to my mind. Yeah. And he's playing catch up there in Wisconsin and um, oh, yeah. should be ready, should be ready to go whenever we do get the green light here. Yeah. The last time I talked to Paxton, he said um, he thought uh, May 15 or, or thereabouts was realistic for him. Probably June 1st, I would guess, but it looks like both of those are going to be in play for him. So uh, when we do get oh. the green light, Paxton will be back. Oh, see, see what I did there? But back. Hey, Brian, Brian, you are a pro at this. I think you might have to call in every week and do this with us. Okay. <laughs> that, that's awesome. That is really awesome. So he's where in Wisconsin? He's at home in Wisconsin. Yeah, his wife oh. is from there. And so they oh, moved okay. there. He's, he's from he's Canada, Canadian, but uh, right? yeah. he is Canadian. But yeah. he, uh, he stays there during the off season. Yeah. Well, it's pretty close, right? Wisconsin's pretty close. I think so. Canada, I right? think it's drivable. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's all those states are up there somewhere. Yeah, they're up north. They're all pretty much in Canada. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's see. You are, you are rocking this. The next word, oblivious. Alex Rodriguez was oblivious at times during his career, <laughs> uh, especially circa, circa 2013. Alex Rodriguez was oh oblivious to what was going on around him. Oh, that's funny. You know what? One of the things that really irritated me with A-Rod was when I forget what year it was, but do you remember when he uh, got, he, he, he had that, the, I think was it the player option and he, it was right at the, during the World Series. Yankees weren't in the World Series, but he did that option and mm-hmm. yep. ended his contract. And meanwhile, they, obviously, he, they, uh, Yankees re-signed him. But he made such a big deal by doing that during the World mm-hmm. Series. And it 2007. Like, was it the 2007? Yeah. And yep. it like, detracted from the World Series because everybody started talking about him. And I was like, dude. That's yep. so not cool. <laughs> and and if you remember, um, the Steinbrenner said at that time, uh, you know, Hal and Hank had taken over the team essentially from George, and they said, "All right, that's it. You're done. You're done as a Yankee. Yeah. Like we will not yeah. re-sign you." And Brian Cashman was totally on board with that. Brian Cashman did not want to bring him back, and Hank caved. It was mm-hmm. Hank Steinbrenner who caved later, and then they gave him another big contract. And yeah, um, I remember right. talking to Cash about that, and. Uh, you know, he said all the right things, but he was seething. Like, he was pissed. And, yeah. Um, yeah. He made it very clear that this was not his call and that they mm-hmm. were not going to, you know, if it was up to him, they would have not spent all that money on him because it yeah. it did handicap them as far as roster construction mm-hmm. to have such a big piece at third base. And you know what? Um, you know, you look at that first contract that Alex signed, the value on that, they got they got good production out of that first contract. It was the second one that, that really uh, – really kind of handicapped them so uh, yeah yeah alex rodriguez oblivious yeah see, that's see this this is why this is why i i think we still continue the game because you get I, you know my stories aren't as good as yours obviously <laughs> but that's yes, the whole are. point of it is getting these these like random stories out i love it i love mm-hmm. it all right we're almost there fourth word command um uh, Garrett Cole had an incredible command of the strike zone. Um, yeah, I, I, that was the nice. first thought that came out of my yeah. mind. Yeah. Just kind of watching him, um, not even so much in game action. I, I did get to see him a little bit in game action this year, but what jumps out in my head is the backfields in February um, at Steinbrenner Field, watching him face yeah. his own team. And because mm-hmm. I was able to sit in the third base dugout and watch Garrett Cole work. And, um, you know, he's obviously pitching to his own team so he's not going up and in on guys but 
just kind of the way he was sawing off bats and the fastball just kind of has extra life on it. And um, when you watch pro ball players every day, like I've been fortunate enough to do, I mean, they're all kind of in the same, they all throw hard. They're all in the, you know, nineties. They all got good break on their stuff. When somebody is a little different than that. And I remember this back in the day, like, Watching Piazza take batting practice at Shea Stadium mm-hmm. was different than watching Robin Ventura or watching Todd Zeal. Like it was just yeah. the the sound off the bat was different. And Cole, I would say, the sound, the pop in the glove is different mm-hmm. than you know watching Tanaka or somebody who is obviously yeah. having a very good career. But I, I think there's a different level for Garrett Cole. Yeah. And um, that first day it was a sunny day. It was like a you know ten o'clock in the morning on a backfield, and I'm hearing that pop 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 and it's like wow. oh i get it there's something different about this guy right now and yeah. he's 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 different than the other pitchers here he's different than watching david hale or adam adovino or any of these other guys like mm-hmm. it's to a different level and so that's where i'm going with command yeah it's awesome that's awesome you're 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 amazing at this game and you know garrett cole you know uh Two, two things recently about him. Number one, I saw his uh, Instagram post with uh, Adovino where mm-hmm. they were playing catch together or pitching to each other or something like that, um, yeah. which I'm guessing, I don't know, are they quarantining? Do they have like a big compound <laughs> that they're all living on? <laughs> that, was, uh, that was in the front yard of Cole's house. He's in Connecticut, oh, really? actually. And really? so, um, yeah, Boone actually lives close by. I'm not sure if they're in the same town or if they're a little mm-hmm. farther apart, but he's, he's drivable. And so Aaron Boone has been going over to play catch with Cole too. And, um, yeah, oh, wow. Boone, he said that, um, after that, he needs to ice his hand after catching Cole. Like it's, <laughs> it's, you know, and, and Boone, obviously is a pro ball player. He's, he, he, it's yeah. not like, you know, a yeah. guy coming off, off the street. Like he, this is a guy right. who played third base right. in the big leagues. And, um, if, if he's saying that, I think that that carries some weight. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, and I was also saying the other day, it's a shame that obviously we don't have baseball, but you know, first year with Garrett Cole uh, and the, the, the possibility of not seeing him play for the Yankees this year is just, Oh, it's, it's let's hope not. But I tell you what, um, you know, whether or not we have baseball this year, Cole is going to be here for a long time. He obviously signed for nine years. I think uh, the, the, the real tragedy, I mean, let me rephrase. I mean, think about if you're the Dodgers and you trade these prospects for Mookie Betts, you're going to get oh, one year of Mookie right. Betts. And then that's if there's right. no season, you don't see him at all. And that's it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that's fair, but uh, there's a whole lot of things that are not fair right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, Brian, the final word. We're going to be there. We're going to make it. I know it. You're, su- you're too good at this game. The last word is rocks. Mark Teixeira was in a uh, – well, he would always come up to the uh, the Twisted Sister, I Want to Rock. That was his walk-up <laughs> song. I want to rock, yeah, rock. Yeah. And then um, he was actually – because of that, like he's a big 80s hair metal guy, which I would not have guessed about Teixeira, who I would have thought was like a CEO in pinstripe pants. But um, they invited yeah. him to be on stage during Rock of Ages on Broadway. And so I, oh I don't goodness. know if he had a speaking role oh, or wait, not. I remember I, that. Yeah, but the, he was on stage um, on Broadway in Rock of Ages during his Yankees time. And I think a couple of the other guys have done that years past, too. I think CeCe's done it. And uh, I think Severino was there. 
So they, they must um, be Yankee fans at Rock of Ages. <laughs> yeah. Because they, they keep to inviting the guys to come and, and be on stage. But I actually saw that show twice. And it's I, I like that 80s, 80s throwback music. I mean, you obviously know Back to the Future is my favorite movie. So I have a soft spot for the 80s anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the first thought that came into my mind was Kashira coming up to, I want to rock, rock. That's funny. I guess I associate guys with walk-up songs because you hear it like four times a night every uh, yeah. night and, uh, yeah. and he used that song he used that song for years so that's that's where i went with rocks nice great one dude great one um know who's know who i used to crack up me and my brother used to laugh about i think the first year matt Sui came to the mm-hmm. yankees and he used to come up correct me if i'm wrong but i think he used to come up to beatles songs all the time right yeah i think he did you're right and yeah. I feel like me and at least I remember being at a couple of games that with me and my brother and we would say he'd come up to the Beatles fan and we used to, to laugh and we'd be like, Hideki Matsui, big Beatles fan. <laughs> He's a big Ringo fan. Oh, right. Man, that's funny. I used to like playing. I, you know, I used to do the, um, I guess it was MLB The Show on uh, a PSP and they mm-hmm. used to be able to, and of course I play as the Yankees and you used to be able to set the walk-up music oh yeah to the players <laughs> oh yeah i did the same thing own... i did the same thing you oh. could download them all and put the clips yeah. in there and uh, you know circa like 2012 before i had kids and, yeah exactly you know, the, the playstation the playstation exactly. is in storage now but um <laughs> yeah back in the day i would download all those tracks and make sure that everybody had their right walk-up song and yeah it's funny the things you do when you have time and now we've got endless time so maybe i'll <laughs> maybe i'll have to dust it off at some point there you go there you go highly recommend it oh that's funny all right well brian again thanks so much for joining the show is there anything else you want to add or promote or tell oh, everybody sure. i'll just say um you know you can follow me on twitter at brian hoke b-r-y-a-n-h-o-c-h uh instagram same um you know read my work on yankees.com mlb.com and um mission 27 the baby bombers both on sale now so if you're looking for some quarantine reading uh want to get baseball know. started you can order that on amazon um can they'll either send it to you or you can read it digitally so Start yes. reading right now. Yes, you yeah. can get that on the Kindle, definitely. Yeah, everybody go follow Brian. He is awesome, as you just heard on this show. Love all the stories, um, and definitely go see Baseball Bedtime Stories with the <laughs> kids. <laughs> Keep that one coming. And also the Yankee of the Day. Love that one, too. All right, Brian, thanks again. We will uh, hopefully see you at a stadium very soon. In the, I hope uh, so. In the yeah, future. thank you very much, Greg. I enjoyed All it. All right. Thanks a lot, Brian. You got it. Bye-bye.